You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. So come over to the site now. You can look at my fantasy football column. The decider starts, sits, the week seven uh, good matchups, bad matchups column there, and my week seven picks against spread so you know how these games are going to go, the game flow, and how I think... These games are going to end up there, so you can check out all that stuff as well as our rankings by position and the sleepers and bus here to help you fill out a winning lineup in Week 7. If you case you missed it there on Wednesday, we do matchup focus with uh, Jeff Ratcliffe of Pro Football Focus, helping out a little bit, looking at both sides of every game on the schedule, really going deep dive there. So if you want to catch up there and uh, get an idea of what we're looking at every game that's good to go and on today's show we're going to take more of a dfs centric approach with lineup focus tyler lochner of pro football focus will join us later we'll look at the value plays you should be targeting there in FanDuel and DraftKings. whether you're playing a cash games or gpp tournament styles there are a lot of guys we're looking at a shorter slate this week so that'll be an interesting strategy to look at as well and uh we'll also close the show later with a look at the injury updates you need to know to take you out of here and into the week seven weekend uh, getting ready to know who you're going to put in and out of your lineups but first we're going to start and talk about some uh, dfs strategy we talked a little bit in a previous show about how you're looking for the 3x value in tournaments so if you're paying 10 thousand plus for Todd Gurley you want him to bring back 30 points there or if you're looking for a cash game looking for more 2x but I think right now when you look at the salaries if you look at 60,000 I don't think 120 points is going to get you much in a cash game I think right now you have to look for 150 so in really this year when you look at 3x it's more 180 I think you have to go beyond that to close to 200 to 250 to win a tournament uh, depending on the week and the scoring so it's really just a guideline that you should net at least that much in return and you want players who can go well beyond 2x and 3x but I had some success last week with the tournament lineup and I was going to share kind of my strategy there tournaments are not usually my thing as much I'm into cash games a little bit more because they're a little bit more controlled you're not uh just fighting for a prize that's unlikely to get you're with a bunch of people playing with multiple lineups and all that the cash game you have a pretty much limited to the single entries and everyone's got the one lineup and if you feel real good about it that you can win multiple contests in the same way with the same lineup with the I would say less risk, but a solid reward as well. So high risk, high reward is not always my thing with tournaments, but I did have success with the tournament last week. And I want to share the thoughts of my lineup construction there that finally kind of clicked for me in the tournaments where I don't play as often. But when you look at it, uh, 
this is the year where I think it's smart to pay up for running backs if they have a very good matchup, these bell cow backs. And there's been few this year that you really trust. There's much. We've had uh, a lot of trust in Todd Gurley and Melvin Gordon. If you've had them in your tournament or cash game lineups, you've really gotten a lot of benefit from them scoring, even if you've paid up for them. So I think it sets up pretty nicely in DFS the rest of the year because you've got a few special backs. I think you can put Kareem Hunt, Ezekiel Elliott in that mix with those guys. Unfortunately, Leonard Fournette and David Johnson are not returning that. And Le'Veon Bell not in there now, but James Conner has provided some uh, good uh, GPP and tournament love with his value in relation to the rest of field at that position as the featured back replacement for the Steelers. So overall, I think that's the place to start. I want to see if there's any stud backs with great matchups. And last week it lined up pretty nicely because I saw Melvin Gordon playing the Browns and I said, okay, we want that in our lineup and we want Todd Gurley in our lineup against the Broncos who just given up 200 plus rushing yards to Isaiah Crowell. All the parallels were there. These are more talented players than uh, what the team saw in the previous week and really attacking the weaknesses with the strengths of other teams. So sometimes it lines up that way where it's pretty obvious this week, when we get into it, because it's a little shorter slate there with Tyler, that you'll see that there's not as many obvious slam duck plays, especially when you have some primetime games and an early London game and now four buys this week, altering the way you look at these lineups and less of a player pool overall. So, And you sometimes need to have the players to win, and sometimes the the schedule and the way the slates are set up do not allow you to have the players to win. So sometimes it's okay to skip a week in those type of situations. I think cash is something you can play weekly, but tournaments you can see if you feel the good vibes of what's out there and you can uh, win there. So that's how I kind of look at it. Find those running backs first. That's where I start. Start to see where the studs are because there's so many committees in this league. You want a back that can score multiple touchdowns, is going to stay on the field, be involved in the passing game, all those things, because those are your best sources of fantasy success. And we've seen historically in year long that these are the guys that are going to carry you to championships over the long term and be the studs week after week. That's why you draft them early. It makes sense to also make them the focal point when you have a choice of all of them as you're a basis of your lineup there but sometimes you have to pivot and look off of that i think this is a good week when you think about uh, what's not available to you when you look at uh, saquon barkley playing on monday night kareem hunt playing there on sunday night joe mixon as well in that game against the chiefs there and then uh, in the morning you're going to lose melvin gordon because he's playing in london so a lot of uh, big names off the table and you're not going to benefit from thursday either with uh, david johnson so a lot of that it comes into play this week, so maybe this is a week where you pivot and look for those values there instead with the best matchups and then look for your studs elsewhere. So start at the running back. If it doesn't work out there and you're not totally comfortable with one or two guys that you want to say, these are guys that are going to be the foundation of my team, then you move on to wide receiver and you spend your money there and go with the safest bets at that position we don't have Antonio Brown or Devontae Adams this week, but those would be the guys I would start with at that position in particular because you know they have high upside in terms of targets, yardage, and TDs week after week and a good basis of both cash games and tournaments, to be honest, because they can go off in any particular week and deliver, but they also have a nice 
high floor for you as well to produce in those uh, different formats. So, so that's start of the running back. So it doesn't work out there. Look for that stud wide receiver. You might as well spend there and go with the running backs with the most upside to have the ability to out kind of produce where they're taken. I think James Conner has been a good example. He'd been undervalued for a little bit of the season and you had to jump on them in those particular weeks. And if he came through for you, like the last two weeks, you were sitting pretty. And uh, last week, I think you look at a guy like Peyton Barber, perfect example, guy we thought maybe Ronald Jones would see most touches. It was harder to predict there. But after what Barber did against the Falcons, you can feel a lot better against the Browns. Given what uh, Melvin Gordon did, you can meet halfway in the middle, but Barber still had a very solid day and can uh, outproduce there. So you have to find those sneaky potential feature guys. I know Sonny Michel has come into play like that as well. It's just been hard because James White is also there for the Patriots. So that's uh, kind of what you have to look at there. If you can find the guys that can be the pseudo feature types based on game flow for a certain week, if you're going to pivot off there. Now, the good thing about wide receivers is you can always find a value of guys coming out of nowhere, having big weeks. Last week, I plugged in Albert Wilson because I wanted to get Gordon and Gurley. And I said, okay, who's got the upside, who know we know is a big playmaker that can explode at any time? And Wilson lined up. So those are the type of guys. If you can get Tyreek Hill or Wilson, uh, Taylor Gabriel's had a big game here of late. Uh, Guys that can dominate a matchup and get multiple touchdowns. Maybe they're speed receivers like Deshaun Jackson. So upside, upside, upside in tournaments. Uh, you don't care about the boom or bust players. You want as many boom players as possible, especially wide receiver, because that's where it can come suddenly. Look at the matchups. Analyze where you have an edge and go for it. I mean, Tyrell Williams was a totally dark throw last week, but... If you kind of looked at it and the Browns struggle with the deep balls and all that kind of stuff, and who's the field stretcher for that team? Is it him or Mike Williams? Is it Keenan Allen? You would say, no, it's Tyrell Williams with the speed. No Travis Benjamin in that game. So it all kind of lined up well for what Tyrell Williams did. So in retrospect, it's easy to see when the guy goes off and has limited targets and scores on two. Or you look at Robbie Anderson from a few weeks ago, just exploiting a defense that let him run free deep downfield. And we chased it, and we haven't seen the same since. So those are the type of players you want, because those are types that are going to win you. It's not going to be the guys that are basic there. So the Julian Edelmans and Jarvis Landrys, those are fine. But I'm thinking if you're going to go to slot receiver, you have to think about Juju Smith-Schuster, someone big like that that we've seen dominate and can score multiple times for you. So... That's how I look at it there is that wide receiver does have those opportunities for guys out of nowhere as much. So that's a good way to think about your roster construction. Now, tight end, I think you just want to look at the numbers. I mean, running back is pretty accurate in terms of fantasy points against how what you're going to get. Tight end is also pretty accurate as we get more and more. I think you have to dive in a little bit to the numbers to see that teams didn't face another team that doesn't use, really use the tight end because that can be misleading as well. Like if they'd uh, run into a team, say, like the Jets or the Texans, and they shut down the tight end because the tight end is not a factor. That's not going to help you. You want to look a little deeper than that and uh, say, who's the tight end that has a good matchup? And uh, consistently you can see, I mean, those numbers don't lie when you say a team that's giving up touchdowns consistently to tight ends or yardage in the middle of the field. I think uh, the Bengals and Chiefs are a good example in that game. Not that we can use either one this week, but C.J. Zuma – there and Travis Kelsey 
step into some pretty good matchups. And that's where you start from there. Look at the talent of the player, line up the matchup, how involved you think he's in the game plan, see who else might be uh, tied up there at outside on wide receiver and exploit that matchup at tight end. So you can't really throw away tight end as a big part of your team. So that's where my core is going to be. And then when we look at quarterback, especially in tournaments, that's where you want to look for your value play. I mean, look at Brock Osweiler last week. There was somebody who won a million-dollar tournament with Brock Osweiler as a flyer. And, of course, they paired him with Wilson. If That's the correlation that makes sense, that you have Wilson having a big game. Someone's got to throw to him, and if it's not Ryan Tannehill, it's going to be Brock Osweiler. So that person probably would have put in Tannehill there. But Osweiler created an opportunity there with the late scratch for Tannehill to be all of a sudden, a super bargain there. We saw that a couple weeks ago with Mitchell Trubisky against the Buccaneers. Baker Mayfield's a pretty good value this week when you look at things against the Buccaneers. So you try to follow things and see where the big games are at. I think James Winston was also pretty much a drop of the bucket. Easy choice there as a value against the Falcons last week. So that's how you kind of examine it there. It's like you get some good quarterback evidence, weigh all the factors. It's not as cut and dry there based on points allowed there either you have to look a little bit into what kind of passing games did they face was it a team that was able to run on them easily was it a mobile quarterback was it a stationary pocket quarterback so all these kind of things you have to look at and uh, dive deep as possible and that's why i use a fantasy points against table four i don't just blindly say this team is allowing x to this position i click on it to see what they've done overall the game logs against particular positions then you get to see profiled as your player profile to uh, what they're doing and that's how you kind of uh, build that lineup so again running backs to me most important in the tournaments uh, find see if you can find the studs there first work inside out to wide receiver and then work back inside to tight end and then look what value you have at quarterback and as far as defense and what you're looking at is flex play. It's just see how it comes after that and see what values you can get. But I think you want to build a core team there in that sense. Uh, you either have to pay up a quarterback or wide receiver because that's where you're going to get your most reliable source of production just like in year long. Now, it's exciting to go see these players in action as well if you're a fantasy football player. And, and the tickets for NFL games can be hard to get and hard to know what seats are the best in each stadium. Well, Vivid Seats is here to help. They want to make every experience in entertainment unforgettable with the ease and convenience of buying the best tickets. They're easily sortable. You don't have to spend too much time looking at uh, what uh, can work there. On other sites, uh, they got a mobile app. Everything is uh, so easy to use on Vivid Seats and uh, Best of all, all their tickets are backed by 100% guarantee, so you know you're good to go no matter what you're going to, whether it's an NFL game, another sporting event, a concert, a musical, anything that you want to see and get a ticket to, Vivid Seats is their place. And I'm pleased to announce that uh, Vivid Seats is offering a great deal for a listener like you of Locked On Fantasy Football. Use the promo code Locked On and save $20 off your first purchase there at Vivid Seats of $200 or more. So it's good. You're going to save money right away and uh, get to something that's going to be a memory that lasts a lifetime. That's what Vivid Seats is here to help do. And you won't find an online ticket marketplace that 
delivers the way Vivid Seats does. So you can either go to Vivid Seats and their homepage, or you can uh, download the app there and enter that promo code locked on. Save that $20 with your first purchase there as an original customer to uh, Vivid Seats of up over $200 there for you. So take advantage of that deal and uh, get to the event you want to see. Vivid Seats is the only place to go for that. Now, when we get back, we'll have Tyler Lochner of Pro Football Focus, and we'll look more specifically at the Week 7 DFS Strategies and Value Plays of the Week. Joining me now, as he always does here for Lineup Focused on Thursdays to help us with some DFS advice, is Tyler Lochner of Pro Football Focus. And Tyler, interesting main slate action this week, only 10 games and not some uh, marquee teams there that uh, we could normally use. Yeah, when you're just looking at this week's uh, main slate trying to make teams, you notice a ton of names missing and some weird names kind of towards the top of the heap. Uh, It's not often you see um, some of the players that you see, like James White, I think, is the fifth most expensive running back on DraftKings. So that's pretty unusual. Um, Overall, my strategy doesn't change that much. Um, You just have to understand that on a shorter slate, the chalk will be higher owned. Uh, it makes it a little bit harder to find contrarian plays, but there will be more payoff if if you do. Now, we'll start at quarterback here, and uh, not the greatest matchups for our elite guys. We don't have Aaron Rodgers, we don't have Ben Roethlisberger, we don't have Matt Ryan, we don't have Patrick Mahomes. So a lot of guys off the table here, but when you look at it, uh, uh, Carson Wentz at 7,600 and 6,000. This Panthers defense not playing well on the road, especially here. Then I see Joe Flacco at seventy five hundred and fifty four hundred there on FanDuel and DraftKings, and then Mitchell Trubisky seventy five hundred fifty six hundred. Now, I think it's easy to me that I want to avoid Joe Flacco. I think it's a bit of a trap here against the Saints. I know their defense, on paper, says they're the worst against the pass, but I'd much rather go with uh, Carson Wentz there on FanDuel and uh, look at Mitchell Trubisky at a similar price on DraftKings. Uh, what do you kind of uh, see there at that at that position? Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Uh, Wentz over Flacco, even though Flacco's a little bit more expensive. Um, I actually think both players are in pretty good spots. Wentz, he's pretty cheap, uh, all things considered. He has been playing well. I know the Eagles overall haven't been amazing, but Wentz, um, he is a 4.5-point home favorite, which is something we always like to target. And the Panthers' defense over their last four games have given up about 280 passing yards and two passing scores per game. And Wentz has thrown for over two and over 278 in each of his last three. So those numbers kind of line up there. Uh, so give me give me Wentz over Flacco straight up. Although Flacco is not a terrible play, the Saints have given up the second most uh, fantasy points per drop back to opposing quarterbacks. Yeah, looking at uh, Trubisky, do you think he keeps it up here? Two straight big time games there. and The Patriots game flow seems to be pretty favorable for him. Yeah, it should definitely be a favorable game flow for Trubisky. Uh, I think the Pats are only three and a half point favorites, which isn't quite as big as you would expect. But the Pats have also given up the ninth most fantasy points per drop back to opposing quarterbacks. And Trubisky ranks in the top five among quarterbacks in fantasy points per drop back. Uh, he's not going to drop. He's not going to drop a 40 point DraftKings point, uh, 40 point DraftKings game again. But He's a pretty good bet to return on return value on his salary. He's still pretty cheap, and he's shown a big ceiling, which is extremely valuable. 
Yeah, and on the cheaper side, one guy that's uh, definitely gotten the return early here in the games that he's played is uh, C.J. Beathard. He's back now in play after Monday night. He's been pretty good here in garbage time uh, and producing all that, and uh, figure there's going to be that opportunity again against the Rams. Secondary is sprung a bit of a leak here, 6,400 and 4,800. Uh, is Beathard, if you're going to go like Baker Mayfield, in some ways, uh, in uh, tournaments or cash games, it seems like you might as well go down to Beathard as well. Yeah, Beathard truly isn't a bad play. Uh, he's got the reduced price this week, I think, uh, because he played on Monday Night Football, and he actually played really well. Oftentimes we see if a player plays on Monday Night Football, the pricing for the following week will come out before that game. So if they play really well in that game, their price for the next week might not reflect their the fact that they're trending upwards. And I think Beathard is one of those players. Uh, the, he's a 10-point underdog against the Rams, and the Rams D is giving up two and a half touchdowns per game over the last month. And uh, Beathard himself has at least two touchdowns in three straight games. He does throw a couple picks, but his yardage is pretty good. He's been at uh, he's been pretty close to 300 yards in every single game, including a 350-yard game. So I like Beathard at that price point. He's very cheap, and he allows you to fit in some of the more expensive players. Now, uh, turning our attention to running backs here, uh, like I mentioned, a lot of big-name quarterbacks out, a lot of big-name running backs out of this main slate as well. Unfortunately, we're not going to take advantage of the Broncos' defense with uh, David Johnson, uh, Saquon Barkley plays on Monday night, Joe Mixon, Kareem Hunt. They're also out of the mix now. If you're going to pay up or pay down this week, I think more at this position, uh, that's what I'm looking at a little bit because uh, Todd Gurley is still, the cost is pretty high and I don't mind him up there. But you look at uh, some guys in the middle there. I'll start with uh, Terry Cohen at 6,600 and 5,100 there, respectively, FanDuel DraftKings. And on Johnson, I really like this week at 5,500 and 4,500, especially with Theo Riddick uh, looking very shaky to play in this game. Yeah, as we as I mentioned earlier, it's definitely a weird week at running back. Like anytime you see James White's name as the fifth most expensive running back, you know something funky's going on. Um, and I do think for GPPs, paying down at running back is a, is a very viable strategy. And I don't hate it in cash. I'm not quite sure exactly where I'm going to go in cash yet. It's really hard for me to get away from somebody like Gurley. But if I am paying down uh, Tariq Cohen, is most definitely interesting. Uh, the Patriots have given up the fourth most receiving yards to opposing running backs. And as we already talked about with this Pats-Bears game, it'll probably be a positive game flow for the Bears passing offense. And New England does have some good cornerbacks on the outside, which should funnel uh, some more things inside. So, you know, I like Trey Burton, and then I also like Tariq Cohen here. And then you mentioned on Johnson. I think he's actually a little bit too cheap given his matchup. The Dolphins... Uh, they've given up the six most fantasy points to opposing running backs, and they've given up over 90 rushing yards in five of six games. And I think they've given up over 100 in, in four of six. Um, overall, it's a, it's, Carrion's a tricky player because his goal line work is not set in stone, but it's a good matchup, and he's, and he's quite cheap. Yeah, um, if I want to go even cheaper, and I'm looking at the matchups this week, uh, I mentioned a little bit about the Panthers' defense struggle on the road. Uh, Corey Clement probably could get a little bit more run here now that he's had that mini-buy after the limited work there coming back from the ankle injury, 6,000 and 4,700 there, FanDuel and DraftKings. And Peyton Barber stepping into another good matchup. 
there against the Browns at home. 6,138. The Browns have been very leaky against the run and also don't have middle linebacker uh, Joe Schobert in there. Clement, I think he's probably good for 15 to 18 uh, touches. And the Panthers do rank in the bottom 10 in fantasy points per touch given up to running back. So I don't, I don't dislike him, but I actually probably do like the savings on DraftKings at least. Clement, I think is cheaper than Barber on FanDuel, but on DraftKings, Barber's a lot cheaper. Um, and he, there was some talk last week that Ronald Jones might be the new lead running back in Tampa, but that clearly wasn't the case. Peyton Barber outtouched him 17 to four. Uh, in week six and Barber had he had an impressive game he had over 100 total yards he scored a touchdown and then it's a favorable matchup against the Browns Um, the Browns I same stat I had for the Dolphins the Browns have given up over 90 rushing yards in five of six games so if Barber is going to be the lead back there uh, this is this is setting up as a good spot for him to return value on that extremely cheap price tag it's not often you see somebody under 4,000 or around 6,000 on FanDuel, who's good for 15 to 20 touches. Now, looking at a wide receiver here, when uh, I'm looking at a little bit with the the Jets, so still a lot of secondary injuries with Trumaine Johnston and Buster Screen. Uh, looking at Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs, uh, maybe worth the payoff. Adam Thielen is the most expensive wide receiver on either format at 8,700, 8,600. But maybe this is a time to look at Stefan Diggs a little bit. He's been a little quiet in a couple games, but this could be a chance where maybe Thielen draws a little bit more attention in 7,600 and 7,200 and you save 1,100 pretty healthy uh, savings over Thielen. I definitely like Stefan Diggs in, in GPPs. Um, I do think Thielen's in play in cash games and I don't think it's overly hard to get to him. You know, we just talked about some cheap quarterbacks and some cheap running backs. So you're going to have to spend your money somewhere and, and Thielen has just been money in the bank. Um, but yeah, I, I do like Diggs, and I think he's due for positive touchdown regression. He hasn't scored since week two. The only reason I don't love Diggs in cash is just because he has a really low floor. He has fewer than 45 receiving yards in half of his games this year. But then on the flip side of that, he's got a really high ceiling. Uh, he has over 120 yards in two games. He had a two touchdown game in week two. Um, both of those Vikings receivers are among the five most expensive options in DFS this week. Again, it's, it's, it's just a weird slate. And because you mentioned it, Thielen is not overly difficult to get to, and he might be more popular. That should keep Diggs's ownership a little bit lower. Yeah. Looking at uh, another guy in that same price range for Diggs there at 7,600, same price on Fandle, but 6,300. So $900 savings there uh, difference for Alshon Jeffrey. And to me in season long, Alshon Jeffrey, now that he's healthy and he's in, there with Wentz, he's a solid every week guy that you can count on as a wide receiver too. Now, he's a guy that I think has both appeal in cash games and GPP because he has a pretty, I think, a decent floor in this offense now as one of the top two targets and can also go off in those big games like we saw against the Giants. Jeffrey uh, is probably one of my favorite wide receivers on DraftKings this week. Uh, You mentioned the price difference. I think he's appropriately priced on FanDuel. Uh, he's just too cheap, and he's not going to stay this cheap on DraftKings for very long. Uh, if you look at his box score the previous three games, he had a tough game against Minnesota, but that was in shadow coverage against Xavier Rhodes, who is one of the best corners in the league. But Jeffrey has at least eight targets in every game. He has three touchdowns in three games. 
He has eight receptions when he wasn't facing, in, in both games, he wasn't facing Xavier Rhodes. Uh, he came in and he is immediately challenging Zach Ertz to be the target share leader in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, Jeff, Jeffrey is firmly in play for me. He's he's one of the players I've written up this week, and I think he's certainly one of my favorite plays of the week. Now, Jarvis Landry, I want to trust him in a lot of situations, especially in a cash game this week. And it seems like this should be a matchup where he comes through. He had a lot of targets last week, didn't do anything. But 6,500, 7,300, it seems like this could be a monster game for him where he's going to see a lot of targets. They got MJ Stewart, and the Bucks just simply cannot stop the slot receiver when you look week after week. Yeah, according to the Pro Football Focus wide receiver cornerback matchup chart, Landry has the sixth best individual matchup of the week. Uh, you mentioned it, Buck slot man, MJ Stewart, uh, really wouldn't, won't be able to hang with Landry. Uh, they, you, you mentioned it, they haven't been able to hang with any slot receiver, and Landry is one of the best in the game. Uh, overall, you just want to attack passing offenses and, and receiving weapons against these Buccaneers. And Landry, even though he only had two catches for 11 yards last week, he did still see nine targets. He saw double, He has seen uh, at least nine targets in every single game with Baker Mayfield. Um, so Landry is definitely a bounce-back candidate. And just because of his bad game last week, people might go box score hunting. <clears throat> they might see two catches for 11 yards, and they might be a little bit shied away. But the more important thing there is the nine targets, and he should get back to double-digit targets again this week with a favorable matchup. Okay, we'll end looking at wide receiver with a toss-up for you here. We have Taylor Gabriel, and this is more of a GPP-type situation because he's a big play, guys, potentially. Taylor Gabriel, 5,900 and 4,700 there. Marquise Goodwin had two long touchdowns there against the Packers, 5,500 and 4,600. Which of these guys would you rather have near GPP? I think I lean a little towards Goodwin, but what do you say? I'm going to agree with you there, and I'm going to lean towards Goodwin. Uh, Gabriel has shown big playability and relatively consistent big playability. Uh, I just really think that the best way to attack New England's defense is through the middle of the field. I know I mentioned earlier Trey Burton and Tariq Cohen. I think that's where a lot of targets will be funneled. Uh, Patriots have pretty good cornerbacks on the outside. Gabriel will likely be shadowed by Jason McCourty. And then Goodwin, he draws Marcus Peters, who I know is one of the bigger names among cornerbacks. That's because he's a playmaker. He makes the, the splash plays, but he also gives up big plays. Uh, he's giving up 74% catch rate this year and 0.42 fantasy points per route covered, uh, which ranks in the bottom 20 among this week's starting cornerbacks. So Goodwin probably won't touch the ceiling that he saw last week with those two long touchdowns, but uh, I definitely like his chances of breaking off another long score this week. Now, when you look at a tight end, you mentioned about paying up at certain positions. I paid up for Zach Ertz this week because I look at the Panthers and where their struggles are at. Uh, allowed Vernon Davis to get going last week uh, against the Redskins, and they've just really not been able to cover the tight end all season. Uh, at 7,500-7,100, it seems like when you look at Rob Gronkowski and his matchup and Travis Kelsey and his matchup, a lot of good uh, tight end matchups here on the high end. And not a bad week to necessarily uh, pay up here in uh, cash games. Yeah, I, Ertz is one of the first players I'm putting into my cash game lineups. 
I'm tempted to do it with Gronk, but I really think we need to think of Gronk as a GPP play. He's just super cheap, but Ertz, it's it's really not that hard. We've talked about so many cheap options. It's really not that hard to pay up 7,100 for a tight end who's seeing double-digit targets every single week. Although I think last week he might have only seen nine, quote-unquote only nine. But for a tight end, that's that's pretty remarkable. Um, he does have over 100 yards in two of Carson Wentz's four games. He has two touchdowns in two of Carson Wentz's four games. Uh, you've mentioned that the matchup is not imposing. Ertz is without a doubt worth that price tag. Now, if you're going to go the other way, the flip side of cheap, you can find pretty good success here. Two guys that could potentially have some big games, and they're playing in the same game. So that's a decision we'll have to make here. But David Njoku, uh, 5700 and 4200 is his price. O.J. Howard, the fellow first-round uh, second-year player there from uh, my from Alabama, sorry, the other guys from Miami, 5800 and 3900 are playing in this matchup. So... Who do you kind of like? I mean, they both have potential to have some big games, especially uh, to help you out in GPP. Straight up, uh, I would probably go with David Njoku. He is seeing that Zach Ertz-type volume. He's got double-digit targets each of the past two weeks, 11 targets in week five, 12 targets in week six, and he showed uh, his extremely awesome athletic ability last week with like kind of like a Moss-like touchdown in the corner of the end zone. So straight up, I, I like Njoku, but I, I I also like O.J. Howard. You know, I don't want to make it sound like I like too many guys, but Howard also has a pretty good matchup. He's, he's making it clear that he's Tampa Bay's primary tight end. Uh, he produced a pretty good stat line of uh, four catches, 62 yards, and a score last week, and that was a game in which he was a game-time decision. Um, yeah, he's definitely the main man in Tampa. He's got twice as many targets, three times as many yards as Cameron Brait. Um if, if you can afford it, I would go with Njoku. But if you need that extra savings um, on DraftKings, on, I'll say this. On FanDuel, I definitely like Njoku. He's cheaper, and I just think straight up he's a better play. But on DraftKings, I don't hate taking the $600 savings for Howard. Now, is that kind of a thing that goes on, and this is a good transition to the defense, where it's just shocking to me some of these prices. Like I'll go one place and – I expect to go after this play, this player, and then I go to the other site, and oh, okay, this player's bargain. And that's the case with the Jaguars. I was like, the Jaguars might be too expensive. I really want to put them in the lineup against the Texans at home to rack up the sacks and potential turnovers. And I look on FanDuel, I think they were 4,400 in the middle of the pack behind even a team like the Redskins, which I didn't get. And then on uh, DraftKings, they're way up near the top at 3,600. What do you think goes into that? And uh, do you pretty much have to just take the Jaguars at that very good price? It's really, honestly, I don't know what goes into the pricing algorithms on the two sites. What I've I've noticed this year is that uh, FanDuel, FanDuel pricing to me has actually felt more accurate, if that makes sense. Uh, but then when it comes to defenses, it seems like everything goes out the window. And sometimes FanDuel has it accurately. Sometimes DraftKings has it accurately. And I think this week, uh, DraftKings is the one who's right on the Jaguars defense, uh, which makes them a good play on FanDuel. But I think a lot of people are going to be in on them on FanDuel. It's a, it's a perfect matchup against the Houston Texans that are making a lot of mistakes. They, they give up a lot of sacks. It leads to a lot of strip sacks. Deshaun Watson, he's an amazing player, but he's still throwing interceptions. Um, he retweeted a tweet saying he has broken ribs. Who knows? Uh, not good either way. 
Uh, Jaguars defense, even though they are expensive, are one of the 10 best values this week. And um, I don't hate them in cash. I, I really don't love paying up for defense in cash, but I don't I, I don't really see the Jaguars failing in this spot. Now, if you're going to go totally the other way, I'm looking at the Buffalo Bills again. They have a pretty steady uh, floor from week to week. Uh, they're the best against the pass in terms of uh, coverage and getting after the quarterback. And we know that Indianapolis pretty much all they do is pass there with Andrew Luck. So we know Andrew Luck can put up some big games, but there's also been some big mistakes from him as well that have helped the defenses, even when they're giving up points like the Jets last week. So is that a defense you can trust even on the road? And uh, they might actually do a little bit more offensively as well to help their defense. Being on the road is a the little bit of a concern, and they'll, they'll probably give up more points this week than they have in previous weeks uh, with Andrew Luck throwing it like 97 times per game. But the Bills' D have been legitimately good in fantasy, and I don't think people in general, I don't think they've caught on. Uh, they have multiple sacks in every single game this year. Uh, they have 11 turnovers forced in their last four games, and that includes games against Minnesota, Green Bay, Tennessee, and Houston. Um, three extremely good offenses, uh, one hit or miss offense there. And they've allowed fewer than 15 points in three of their last four games. So the Bills are riding a hot streak. Uh, I do expect their their points allowed to be higher, but Andrew Luck is constantly under pressure. I expect another multi-sack, multi-turnover game. So the Bills do give you a pretty safe floor. All right, uh, Tyler, that's a good analysis there. A lot of good pricing, uh, less players to worry about on the table there, so that kind of makes it more interesting to play DFS this week. Uh, uh, tell the listeners uh, what you're working on there at uh, PFF and uh, where they can uh, check out your articles there to end the week here. Yeah, you got it. So today on Thursday is my DraftKings cash guide. On Friday is my FanDuel tournament guide where I go over chalk plays, contrarian plays, and stack options. And then on Saturday is my DFS locks of the week, which is a free article. You do not need a PFF subscription. So definitely be sure to check out all of the articles, but uh, at a minimum, get a glimpse of what you get with the PFF subscription with that DFS locks of the week article. Well, that's uh, good. And uh, it's middle of the season. So this is a time where we have the more data. We can get into DFS a little bit. Maybe our season long teams are tanking or they're just fine. And we want to take a chance on DFS. So uh, thanks again. And uh, look forward to talking to you next week. And uh, good luck in all your uh, tournaments this week. Good luck, Vinny. And good luck, all the listeners. Thanks again to Tyler for that uh, great spot there. As usual, we look forward to having him on. And uh, definitely go check out his articles at Pro Football Focus. They're free, good access to the site there. And uh, if you want to take it to the next level, definitely subscribe to Pro Football Focus, a strong partner here with Locked On Fantasy Football and the entire Locked On NFL network. And, you know, you can use your money to get a PFF subscription there. And the best way to maybe think about saving money is maybe don't spend as much on clothes. Isn't it crazy how much we pay for new brand name clothes? Look, think about it. We buy brand new baby clothes or kids clothes and they just outgrow them in a few months. Well, wouldn't it be great if there was a place to discover awesome discounts on gently used clothes? Well, there is good news for you. It's swap.com, the world's largest online consignment and thrift store. 
Why drive to store after store sifting through racks when you can easily sift millions of racks in seconds on Swap.com with easy-to-use filters to find just what you need. And you can also feel good about what you're doing at Swap.com because over 14 million tons of textiles are wasted each year. So shopping secondhand at Swap.com will save you money and also make you feel good about saving the environment. So bonus there that you have to take advantage of as well. So, And when you go to Swap.com, you can save up to 90% off retail price on favorite brands like Nike, Carter's, J. Crew, and Gap. And these are all quality hand-inspected items that are added to Swap.com daily. If something doesn't fit, you have hassle-free returns there within 30 days. And there's a special offer for you, listener of Locked On Fantasy Football. Get 30%, 35% off, 5 more percent than we thought. 35% off select items for your first order with the promo code Locked On. So it got even better while I was reading this. So... There you go. Swap.com is the place to go. Use that promo code locked on. Find new deals every day on the swap.com homepage. And your first order, get there and save a ton of money 90%, 35% off of that. You can't beat it. Enter that promo code locked on at swap.com and uh, dress well, save some money, and save the environment. We'll be right back to close with a look at the injuries that you need to know ahead of week seven. Now, we, we'll go through the injuries here. They're quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and a tight end to make sure that the things are well. And we also have a couple kicker updates that you need to know as well. So good to know there. And it's a big kicker update. So not just a throw in this week. Josh Allen's not going to be playing there with that elbow injury in Indianapolis. It's going to be Derek Anderson starting his place. They just signed him two weeks ago, but Nathan Peterman was terrible. So gives a chance maybe for Kelvin Benjamin, a familiar guy in there, and LaShawn McCoy as well. So those are good developments there. Andy Dalton's dealing with a back injury, primetime game against the Chiefs, but he'll be fine. He'll play, and it's a good matchup there overall. We know that. And going to have to throw a ton. Case Keenum uh, playing through Thursday night with the right forearm injury. Deshaun Watson uh, has a chest injury. It hurts a lot more than we think. Could have some cracked ribs there, but he's practicing in full. Tough matchup against the Jaguars, however, this week. Not a recommended play. Ryan Tannehill is not going to play again. It's going to be Brock Osweiler starting against the Lions. Now, would I totally feel good about going back to the Brock Osweiler well after what he did against the Bears? No, but... He did seem to bring some life to that offense. So maybe we'll look at Kenny Drake and Frank Gore and then Albert Wilson and feel good about maybe what they can do this week again against Detroit. Not the same kind of level of defense. They played against Chicago and did well last week. Sam Darnold has a right elbow injury, but he's going to play against Minnesota and can't recommend him either against that Vikings defense at home. Carson Wentz also dealing with a back issue like Dalton, but he's going to play against the Panthers. So... The good news is it's not listed as a knee anymore for Carson Wentz. He's fully healthy and good to go there. And Jameis Winston's got a bit of a hip injury, but he's going to play against Cleveland. Another good matchup for him to stay hot with his uh, many talented receivers there. Gio Bernard out with a knee and a toe issue against the Chiefs. A lot of Joe Mixon in that game. Great matchup for Mixon. Carryon Johnson, I really like him as we were talking about there as an ankle Injury went full, but the real news is that Theo Riddick is not practicing. That means more passing game work for Johnson. We just need him to reel off a burst for a touchdown where they don't bring in LeGarrette Blunt. We feel really good about him this week. 
Lamar Miller, like his quarterback, uh, Watson, has a chest injury, but he is going to play in Jacksonville. Robert Turbin, you're not caring about him. It's just notable that Marlon Mack is fully healthy and not on the injury report. So shoulder for Turbin. So Marlon Mack could be a nice little play here against the Bills. And I'm definitely great against the Raiders next week. So if you got him on waivers, feel good about that. Uh, Leonard Fournette, we'll have to see. He didn't practice early. They were kind of overly optimistic he could return here against the Texans. We'll have to see. It really depends now on T.J. Yeldon, who has a foot issue as well as an ankle. He didn't practice there, so we'll have to watch T.J. Yeldon throughout the week as well. I mean, otherwise, we're looking at Jamal Charles, and we can't really look at that too much with the Corey Grant out against the uh, Texans. Really hard to recommend him after he didn't look good at all last week. Uh, looking at Isaiah Crowell, we'll have to see. It's going to probably come down to the game time again. Minnesota is a tough matchup, however, so if you have alternatives, you want to go away with that and don't worry about the foot. Dalvin Cook, in theory, is going to return here against the Jets. Has a hamstring injury, but looks pretty good. Here overall, we just need to be able to trust him so it's not a Fournette situation where he's toggled in and out of the lineup. Sonny Michel is a knee, but he's fully healthy. He's good there. For Chicago, Darren Sproles is going to miss another week. Good week for Corey Clement, who's not on the injury report against Carolina. Coming off the ankle. Chris Thompson will have to see. He missed last week's game as a rib and knee injury. Limited there in practice. Uh, Adrian Peterson, ankle shoulder injury. He's probably going to play there against the Cowboys. Don't really like either this particular week. You look at uh, John Brown. He's going to play. He just gets some rest in the middle of practice week there. Allen Robinson, a little bit of concern with it growing, but he's going to be fine to play against the Patriots. He did that against the Dolphins last week. John Ross looks like he'll return to help that uh, Chiefs secondary struggle a little bit more with the Bengals with the growing injury Richard Higgins look like he's going to miss another game for the Browns here and you have to factor that uh, Damian Ratley did play very well was the number one Browns receiver there so if Jarvis Landry David Njoku he might be the next guy to watch at, after Antonio Calway is really struggling here so something to watch there with this situation in Cleveland Tavon Austin's not going to play. He's a growing issue. He's not practicing. Not like you're counting on any Cowboys receiver. He shouldn't. Not even Cole Beasley. He's not on the injury report this week. DeAndre Hopkins should play a tough matchup, definitely, against Jalen Ramsey or A.J. Bowie there with a the foot injury. Uh, he's going to be playing, but we'll see how good he is. Kiki Kuti is going to play through the hamstring. Will Fuller probably will play through the hip, but, again, hard to trust him. Doesn't look fully healthy there. Maybe a little bit better this week, but, again, tough matchup against either Bowie or Ramsey. T.Y. Hilton is going to be back. Hamstring and chest, practicing in full. He's going to be playing against Buffalo. So good news there if you were looking for T.Y. and his impact. Ryan Grant, however, had an ankle injury. Probably not going to play for the Colts this week. Chris Conley, full. Not using him, but keeps the options there for Patrick Mahomes. And will play against the Bengals. You look at Travis Benjamin uh, looking shaky here for this London trip. Cooper Cup is not going to play, so Josh Reynolds, if you're in a pinch, by weeks as well. Josh Reynolds, just plug him in and hope for the best. His 49ers secondary is really bad and banged up as well. Josh Gordon, hamstring, he's going to play. The heel injury that popped up for Julian Edelman, that's not a concern. Both are going to be in there against the Bears. Ted Ginn, we'll have to watch this. Uh, looks like a veteran management thing that didn't practice there with a the knee. If, if he can't go, maybe I'm looking more at Traquan Smith. It's a good... Secondary, however, for the Ravens, but uh, opportunity could knock for Smith again, the rookie there. Quincy Noon was not going to play against the Vikings. We'll see about Robbie Anderson and Terrell Pryor also hurting here. So Jermaine Curse 
is going to be maybe the number one target there for uh, Sam Darnold and the Jets. It's not a great matchup if Curse has to play outside of the slot. So keep that in mind. If he's in a slot, it's not bad, but he kind of needs Anderson and Pryor to play to help his uh, ability to get open in that game. Marquise Goodwin uh, went full there. He's going to be playing for the 49ers. Pierre Garçon didn't practice, but he's an older player, so they're just resting him a little bit. He should play with the knee and shoulder. Jamison Crowder, you can uh, move on from him. Didn't practice, going to not play against Dallas. Shoulder knee for Paul Richardson and uh, heel for Josh Doxson. Who cares? You're not looking at him too much in fantasy at all. So a lot of uh, going to go to uh, Vernon Davis in here as they go more two tight ends with Jordan Reed. Good sleeper play in Vernon Davis after he scored last week. Jermaine Gresham, we saw he's good there for that Thursday night game. Greg Olson still going to play there. We're concerned about the foot. He looked okay, not great, in that first game back there against Washington. So we'll see if he can be a little bit healthier this week. CJ Zuma, we mentioned the matchup there with the Chiefs. It's very good. He should play through the shoulder injury. Tyler Croft will not be playing with his foot injury. So it's all to him now, that tight end spot. David Njoku, not to worry about the knee. He's in the best tight end matchup of the week and gets the Buccaneers to feel good about him. Jack Doyle. With hip is going to probably miss another game. Eric Swoop also hurt. So a good spot again for Eric Ebron. With T.Y. Hilton coming back, I think that actually helps Ebron in a way with Doyle still out. Virgil Green, uh, he's going to play there in London for the uh, Chargers. Rib injury, not really sure. Looking at him, you're not looking at A.J. Derby either, but he's involved there. So if we're looking at Antonio Gates or Mike Gesicki, hoping for something from those guys, I think you have to cut bait there. Rob Gronkowski is going to play through the ankle. He had a nice uh, 91-yard game there last week against the Chiefs. I think he can continue it this week against the Bears. And finally, George Kittle, their tight end, is going to play. He was a game-time decision for the Packers, but played play through the game. He's going to play against the Rams. Kickers, Caleb Sturgis. We'll have to see if he can go with a quad injury missed last week. Not a bad kicker. High-powered offense working against Tennessee and London. Uh, I would maybe look for other kicker alternatives. And Greg Zerline, if he's been dropped in your league, you have to go jump after Greg Zerline because he's one of those kickers that can give you double-digit points every week there when he's right. You also had your DFS advice there from Tyler Lochter. Check out Matchup Wednesday there with uh, Jeff Ratcliffe to get all your takes on this week's game. And thanks so much for listening. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. Good luck in all your contests this week. Year-long or DFS has been Vinny Iyer for Locked On Fantasy Football.